This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jeff Reed, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker. With me is my co-host, Hunter Homestek, and we are just trying to figure out how we go from winning 11 in a row to losing three in a row. How are you doing, Hunter? (laughs) I'm doing well. See, I'm doing well, much better than the Steelers are doing. I'm not quite as smiley, not quite as as in good of a as good of a mood this week, Striker, like usual. You know, I'm usually having a really good time when we hop back on these, feeling good about the Steelers. The Bills game, yeah. you know that that one stung, but the Bills are a high quality team, and, yeah. and you could kind of see that one coming a bit. This last one, though. <sighs> I'm not sure where to start, man. I'm really not sure where to start. Well, I, it wasn't I, I, like. Good, good. I know at least where we should start. We should start right here by thanking our sponsors, Total Sports Enterprises, for giving away a free <laughs> Color Rush Troy Palomalu jersey. Jump, jump over there to at Total Sports ENT. Sign up. Just retweet it, like them, and you are entered to win a Troy Palomalu autographed jersey today. That's the one's coming out today. So jump on there quickly. Sign up for your chance to win. And they're also doing these live box breaks as well. Uh, check out their website at www.tseshop.com. Nice. Those guys always do awesome giveaways. And what I think is hilarious about this one is that, like, usually after the game, the giveaway is somebody who had a good game. Yeah. This time, this time they're just like Troy Polamalu. <laughs> like, we need to go with a classic. Nobody let's, had a good game. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go back with somebody that we know that everyone yeah. loves and is, yeah. isn't mad at this week. <laughs> yeah, nobody can hate on that. So uh, you know, it was it was kind of funny, man. We were doing a, a similar giveaway on one of my clients' Hampton Beer Outlet during the game, and it was for a, uh, a Villanueva Salute to Service jersey. Oh, we were going awesome. to they're awesome jerseys, yeah. and we we were going to announce the winner at halftime. We told everybody, and by halftime, I was like, "I don't know if anybody's going to want this jersey right now. <laughs> like, should we yeah. even should we even announce the winner?" Obviously, we did, and everything, and they were still stoked about it. But it was just one of those games where I was like, "Man, I don't know if anybody is even going to want a Villanueva jersey right now." <laughs> yeah, and uh, one other thing we should at least talk about too before we get into the game is, of course, the passing of Kevin Green, mm-hmm. um, uh, Hall of Famer, outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, starting Blitzburg. Big with that cut with he and Lloyd on each side coming in and, and leading the, the NFL in tackles the three and sacks the three years that he was here. 
So that was a big passing, a surprise passing, being so young, dying at the age of 58. Yeah, 58 is way too young, man. It, it is a shame. Like you said, that one came out of nowhere. Like it one did. of my friends tagged me on that on Twitter. And at first I was like, it can't be the same Kevin Green, right? Like I just yes. thought my first reaction was not even that it was that Kevin Green because I yeah. was like, no, no way. But like, did yeah. they get Joe, Mean Joe Green wrong or something? But yeah. yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Green. Didn't make sense, man. That's a shame. Oh. Like you said, his impact is undeniable for, for me he was one of the first football players that I ever remember watching. Honestly, like I posted a picture on Twitter right after of, it, of my family for Super Bowl 30. They had me dressed up as Kevin Green. Like I had a long blonde <laughs> wig and like a blonde goatee. They made me like I, I was Kevin Green. So and I was like four years old. So that was that was oh. my first Steelers experience, you know. So those were the teams that got me into football that for my earliest memories. So of course that one hit close to home for me. But yeah, it's just a shame, man. But kind of. In classic Pittsburgh fashion, the outpouring of love and support and people sharing good memories has really been amazing to witness. And like, I've learned a lot about Kevin Green over the past day just because of that. So the circumstances obviously suck, but it's always nice to see somebody's memory honored the right way. And in Pittsburgh, that's just how it's done. And moving on to the game now, I mean, Connor was downgraded right there the day of the game. So that was a little bit of a surprise to Steeler Nation, though we were kind of I was kind of expecting it. I at least uh, anticipated he wasn't going to be there when I predicted the inactive list for this week, uh, just because he was only limited for two practices, didn't practice the first time. Uh, but Benny Snell ended up having a, a, a good game um, in, in his stead. Kevin Rader was cut to make room for Scales and Isiodora, who was a uh, Scales is a linebacker, backup linebacker. And Danny Isiodora is that uh, been a journeyman around the league playing offensive line, but, you know, moving into the game itself, you know, it looked like one of our better running games, to tell you the truth, the way that the offensive line was blocking. Absolutely. I think that was the first time in a long time that you saw a semblance of an actual running game. And by that, I don't mean just one good rush here and there, but a few strung together, a few plays with real push, like you said, from the offensive line, which we haven't seen in a while. And on the flip side, we saw them struggle in third and short situations. They go for it on fourth down and Benny gets it, but only by virtue of going up over the pile versus actually yeah. having a push. Like he, he really had nothing to work with there either. So yeah, but, but he would have gotten that touchdown bad. also doing the same way right. than, you know, a couple games ago with Ebron nudges his guy on the edge because he was yes. looking to jump over the pile, but his guy dove in and grabbed him at the foot when he was going to dive over the top. Yeah, yeah, and just to be totally clear on that, Benny Snell, I feel like, had the one good game of anybody on offense. And maybe yeah. another guy had a decent game, and we'll get to that in a bit. But Benny Snell did definitely have a good game. And I you, – you know. You know from talking to me for a long time. I've been a Benny Snell guy for a long time. The thing with Benny Snell is that he needs volume to succeed. You can't throw him in for five to eight carries and be like, ah, he sucks, he didn't do anything. But, like, it's not how his game works. And, yeah. and if you want a more dramatic example of a running back like that, you have to look at Derrick Henry. He's yeah. a guy where as the volume increases, he just gets better and better. And I'm not saying Benny Snell is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is super special. We all know that. Yeah. But Benny Snell operates very similarly where as his, as his volume increases, so does his production and the efficiency of that production. So he's an interesting case, and I think you even saw that in the game. Like he got better as the game went and broke off a couple long runs yeah. towards the end. So, I mean – he, he's fine, and I think he's always been fine. He's always been an answer if James Conner isn't moving forward. And I, I personally, I know everybody's like, the Steelers got to take a running back really early in the draft, yada, yada. Mm. I don't think they do. I would be totally fine with Benny Snell being the number one guy if James Conner isn't. Yeah. And 
when it comes down to statistics for this game, they came in on the negative side. Uh, Pitt is the first team in NFL history to lose <laughs> multiple games in a single season when they started with 11 wins to opponents with four or less wins. So they lost oh. multiple times. Yikes. Being to the Washington Football Club and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, which made us look like the Bungles yesterday. Um, the Steelers are also the third team in NFL history to lose three straight games after starting 11-0. and one of them being the Super Bowl champion, 2009 Saints. But I looked at their record. They started off 13-0, and rested starters for the last three weeks and lost those games before going to a Super Bowl. That is That's, the difference. Yeah, it doesn't say it can't happen. It's just what happened. And then at halftime, Bengals led 17-0. That was tied for their largest lead versus Pittsburgh in the last 20 seasons. Yeah. And with Pittsburgh being shut out 17 nothing at the end of a half, that was the first time it has happened since week six of 1980 when Chuck Knoll was our head coach and Terry Feels Bradshaw good. was our quarterback. <laughs> Feels good. Setting all kinds of records this Steelers team this year, man. Just racking them up. Well, Ben at least had, the- had some positive – that's why I wanted him to have a good game because this was the game where he broke 5,000 attempts, mm-hmm. you know, tying Tom Brady for the third fastest quarterback ever to hit 5,000 attempts. And 60,000 pass yards, which is yeah. seventh all time. Sure. Um, and, and then they even showed last day with the, with the graphics last night, there's only three quarterbacks with 60,000 yards and multiple Super Bowl wins. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. being, of course, uh, you know, Brady and, and uh, Manning and, and Roethlisberger. That's it. Unreal. That, it's unreal. I mean, it's good company. It sucks that it took till the fourth quarter for him to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I think, right. I'm sure the, I'm sure the graphics team, everybody at ESPN probably thought they were going to, you know, get that fact out there a little sooner than they did, but yeah. it did eventually happen and that's cool and all, but I can't, I can't imagine many Steelers fans are feeling too good about Ben's history right now. I'm sure it's, that's all well and good, but we need to figure out what's wrong with him right now presently. Yeah. yeah Cause for me, I mean, his stats were he didn't have a great game 20 for 38 170 yards one touchdown one interception but it looked to me like he could have like four or five interceptions it seemed like every drive he was putting the ball in the hands of the other team and most of the time they just couldn't hang on to the ball so that to me was the, the 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 scariest aspect like we looked like the Cincinnati Bengals on offense Legitimately. We couldn't move the football. We're bungling center quarterback exchanges when David DeCastro knocks the ball away from Pouncey. Our, our two pro bowlers, guys, David DeCastro and Mike, uh, Marquise Pouncey, uh, coming across on that fumble. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about the pro bowl. I guess we, do you want to talk about the pro bowl now? Let's talk about the pro bowl. We have five right. pro bowlers. Let's talk about something positive for a second. Is it even positive? This isn't even a positive <laughs> discussion. I well, mean – the positives to me are the defensive players that made it. Obviously, Hayward sure. and Watt deserve it. Watt, I think, is defensive player of the year. Um, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick again. Um, so, three guys making it. But then, of course, our two offensive players being Pouncey and David DeCastro, who at this point, we, we just talked about this last week, I think, on the show. Yeah. And we're like, they're pro- if they make it to the Pro Bowl, they're going to make it because of their name. Mm-hmm. And they did. And that's why they made it. <laughs> as a Steeler fan, this is not this, – this is DeCastro's worst season as a Steeler. Sure. Uh, Pouncey's not – I've seen Pouncey have – you know, I thought he was a little worse last year than this year, but he's not playing at a Pro Bowl level. I don't think anybody on the offensive line is playing at a Pro Bowl level. And, uh, yeah. you know, offensively, like, Ben had a chance of making the Pro Bowl, but after he's, after he's been banged up since that Dallas game, he hasn't been the same quarterback. 
Nope. Zero percent um, chance he's making it. It's crazy so, to me that none of the receivers made it. All that talent, none of them yeah. could, could break out and stand out and just make it. Well, statistically, they just don't have the numbers. I mean, right. you, you've got some of these receivers that are one receiver teams that are just throwing up monster numbers. And, you know, Steelers are going to have a tough time competing with them with those types of numbers just because they're an ensemble cast this year. Even sure. though they're highly talented, I think we start losing some players here. Maybe in free agency, if Juju's not on the team anymore, you might see like Deontay Johnson's numbers spike next year. Right. Um, Claypool's numbers spike next year, things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but so, there's definitely – there's more room for, for things to move around. I, I thought Ebron even had an outside chance uh, if he wasn't dropping so many so many balls. He could have been in a conversation for being a receiving uh, tight end. Sure. And, and to be clear, I don't think any Steelers receiver deserved to make the Pro Bowl. I was simply saying the talent is there for one of them to be a Pro Bowl level, level yes. receiver. It's a shame that it hasn't materialized that way. Yeah, Pro Bowl, I mean, it is what it is. Like we said, it's a popularity contest. Everybody knows this. Even Villanueva, you know, when he made it last year, he wasn't stoked about it. He was like, yeah. it really doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I understand this is fan voted. It's not really anything we get excited about. So, yeah. And do you feel that there were any snubs on defense? I know for me, like, Bud Dupree was on a Pro Bowl level uh, yeah. when he got hurt. I, obviously, he probably – that's the reason why he isn't taken. Uh, anybody, anybody else on a snub on defense, in your opinion? Dupree would have been the one for sure. I mean, he, he's the only guy that I could consider a snub. And obviously, him going down when he did didn't help his case at all. If he had continued playing, I think no doubt he makes it. Um, he's the only one I consider a snub. You know, there are yeah, other guys who – there, there are other guys who, if they made it, I, I would have understood, you know, Joe Hayden having another decent year. Yeah. Steven Nelson got beat up by Stefan Diggs a little bit, but other than that, I feel like he's been very, very good again, yeah. underrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to Stefan to it as well. I think he's been having sure. a fantastic year and he's been healthy for the most R- part. rough game last night for him against the Bengals. I thought he was here and there, but he also got blown up more than I've seen him get blown up in the past, which made me wonder if he's fully healthy or if there's any lingering effects of, of COVID there. Cause it was all towards the end of the game too. So yeah. it was like, I was wondering if the endurance was there or, or what, but uh, yeah, to it, too, it's phenomenal. We all know that. The yeah. whole – you could make a case for that whole defensive line, man, if you wanted yeah. to. And if you had everybody – like, especially when you had, you know, Vance McDonald was leading the league in uh, TFLs. Now Watts leading the league in TFLs. So, you mean – Yeah, unreal. I'm sorry, not Vance. Vince, Vince Williams. Williams. I, yeah. You even – I you confused me on that one, man. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I was like, wait, what? No, Vince, <laughs> Vince instead of Vance. Yeah. <laughs> My Steeler mind works too fast yeah. at times. Nice. Um, but, yeah, just – Touching back too, though, at least with uh, the running game, I saw some signs of improvement. It was Benny Snell had 18 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown, 4.7 average, which is the largest average we've seen in a while for our running backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, like we said, Benny was one of the few bright spots on offense. And like I said, I feel like there are exactly two bright spots on offense, and he is yeah. one of them. So no complaints about him. The 4.7 yards per carry is very respectable. The volume was there, so the production was there. He scored. He caught a couple passes even, which was the huge thing coming into this year that everybody thought he needed to work on. He yeah. was good in pass protection from what I noticed as well. I mean, dude, that, that was a complete game for him, and that's what they needed to see. He's never going to be a burner. He's, he still obviously doesn't look like the fastest guy on the field at all because he's not, but that's not his game, and it can work. Yeah. I love seeing him run over Von Bell. Like, that's yeah. the kind of stuff yeah. that – you think Benny Snell should be doing so even though he lost some weight slimmed down for year two he hasn't sacrificed that power which has kind of always been his calling card so 
that's good to see. It's good to see him kind of coming into his own. I genuinely think he's a guy who's only going to get better with reps and with experience. So I, I'm interested. I want to see what he's got left. And Mike Tomlin in his uh, press conference today definitely left the door open that even if James Conner does return as expected this upcoming game against the Colts, it sounds like Benny Snell is still going to get a pretty significant workload. You know, Tomlin said – Tomlin yeah. couldn't say enough good things about Benny Snell, first of all. He seemed to be the only yeah. bright spot that Tomlin could talked about today on the on – Right. The- yeah. Right. So he Tomlin clearly loves what he's what he's seeing from Benny Snell. And he was very clear. And it surprised me that he was so clear about saying Benny Snell will likely still receive work because that's just it's not usually how Tomlin talks. He doesn't no. usually tip his hand like that. He he is always quick to say, you know, Connor's our guy. Yeah. He really didn't say that this time. He it no. was like, even if Connor's back, Benny might still be our guy. So that's yeah. that's telling to me. And we have to talk at least about one receiver. I know a lot of Steeler Nation is thinking about this. We've noticed this. We, we've seen Juju Smith-Schuster's <laughs> um, social media. It was blowing up all over before the game. Is he going to go out? And we even talked about this. I was like, I, last game, I'm like, I don't think he's going to go back out and dance on another logo. And bam, he's out there TikToking on the Cincinnati Bengal head uh, there at midfield or the Bengal B right there. And then – flash forward into the game he takes a shot coming across that b and loses a fumble on a pivotal turn in that game listen i i said it last week and you did your good uh simpsons old man voice which i was very impressed with <laughs> i didn't i didn't like juju doing it last week i yeah. certainly didn't like juju doing it this week and i'm not gonna lie it was pretty satisfying to watch him get smashed by the guy yeah. who hit the guy who called it out von yeah. bell the guy who specifically had a problem with it smashing him right near the logo and forcing a fumble hey man if you need a slice of humble pie that's about that's about as freshly served as it gets right there that's yeah. hey as much Steelers fans love Juju wiping out Vontez perfect right with yeah. the crackback block this yep. is the exact same thing but in yeah. reverse and yeah, you got to respect it you got to love it so uh, for Bengals fans man I can't even imagine how good that felt Mm. That, I hope, is what Juju needed to kind of cut this out. I said it last week, and I'm sticking to that. It's it's not it's not me trying to hamper the dude's brand or hamper who he is as a person. I like Juju as a person. As I said, I love his brand. I love the YouTube stuff. I yeah. love he's these got football. Good and he does good things for the community, too. He, he's an amazing guy in the community, yeah. and I love these guys who understand that there is life after football. And for Juju to figure that out, even as a rookie – yeah, you know, start building that brand. Start posi- like Juju's going to succeed no matter what he does now in life because yeah. he is who he is, and that's so smart, so good. Literally, can't say enough good things about this. That the whole logo dancing is literally a matter of respect and integrity yes. for the sport. That's it. Yeah. It's respect yeah, and focus, and that's and it's not there. That's not what you do. That's not how you treat the game. I've seen other professionals across other sports, you know, some hockey players saying, Oh my God, I can't even imagine if somebody would do this in our arena. Like they they get crushed. There are physical consequences for acting like an ass. And that's what Juju's doing here. And I understand why he's doing it again. I get it, but I don't agree with it. And I want it to stop. Mike Tomlin said as much, he's going to have a talk with Juju apparently. So we'll see if that puts an end to it or what. But I'm personally shocked that no player that maybe Cam Hayward, some leader type in the locker room, hasn't put an end to that already. It's just, yeah. it's just goofy. Yeah, it is. And it, and like I said, the only the only time that we as fans have have something to even like equate this to was back when you know T.O. Terrell Owens was going and trying to dance on the uh, Cowboys star. 
at center at, at the middle of the field after a uh, after a touchdown, and he ran sprinted out to the middle of the field to to go and celebrate on that star, and he got blindsided by uh by a, somebody yeah. came off the sideline and just As wrecked him. Have. Yeah, and, and here's like you're not going to disrespect our our star, our logo, our symbol of our team in our right. arena, and that's and here. That's me, essentially what's happened. I mean, I know he's having fun on the logo. Right. He's like not trying to, you know, but it, it's, it's gotten to that point. Well, even if he's, even if his intentions aren't trying to disrespect the logo and he just wants to dance on every logo to show that, you know, I've played every team and I enjoy this, this aspect of my pregame ritual. Now he's got to realize that yes, it is a, a form of disrespect. The other team is taking it seriously. And we have an instance now where it, it fired up a guy enough to hit, hit the guy in a little bit extra harder could have been ruled as a helmet-to-helmet contact hit, too, which wasn't. Sure. But, you know, it, that's just what occurred during that game. They asked Von Bell what he saw on that play as far as a read. Like, what read did you make on the play? Because, obviously, he broke on it so fast. What yeah. he said he saw was 19. Now, all I saw was 19. So, if you think that it wasn't in his head, smash Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. it, it absolutely was. Yes. So, and, and I get what you're like, what a lot of people are saying, oh, these are professional athletes. They don't need extra motivation. They, they yeah. definitely don't need extra motivation to go out and play hard and win. Yeah. But, but <laughs> if you make something personal, they will not forget that. And given the opportunity, they will capitalize on it. So yeah. this is now two weeks in a row. Well, I know he's been doing it longer than two weeks, but this is two weeks in a row where there's concrete, indisputable evidence that the teams took it personally and used that as fire. That's enough. Two terrible performance. And it's not the, the funny thing about mentioning T.O. is like twofold to me is that one, everybody thought he was a diva and disliked him. Like yeah. nobody liked that he did that or agree. Like it was a terrible yeah. idea by him. And two, he at least did it after he scored a touchdown. Yeah. Juju, Juju's doing it before the game and then getting 15 yards in the game. So yeah. that, that's a bad look. That's a bad look. So the numbers, at least across the board for third down efficiency, are, are, we're just getting worse and worse, it seems like, in third down when we were so good <laughs> at the beginning in the first 11 games. And uh, now the Steelers going four for 16 on third downs, but, but converting one of the two uh, fourth downs. Um, and Bengals being four for 14. So they're right there. The, to me, the big difference of the game ended up being turnovers. That, that three to zero turnover ratio just absolutely crippled the Steelers, especially with the first turnover occurring back at like the 20 yard line. I mean, that's just like, here you go. You're already in the red zone. <laughs> I don't understand. That's a, yeah. that's what, probably the most baffling stat of that game is you, you would think they would have forced at least one and more likely multiple turnovers in that game to not be able to, for a team that has kind of relied on that for so long when it disappears. I mean, you see the consequence. I feel like the defense still played a very good game. They, they lost Ryan Finley towards the end and a lot of those read options and the QB draws. And that's, that's inexcusable. But for the most part, I thought the defense was okay, or at least I did too. They, they, it's not the short fields that you just mentioned. That's impossible yeah. for a defense to deal with, no matter how good the defense is. Yeah. A, it's flat out difficult <laughs> to defend that short of a field and, and hold them yeah. to zero points whenever they start in the red zone. But B, it just tires them out. They don't get the break that they're supposed to. It's what we saw all last season and talked about all last season. And yeah. it, literally, it literally feels like the 2019 Steelers have returned. Yeah, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> In a way, yeah. with the offensive production, I'd say it's spot on. And yeah. Steelers, over, just over the last four games, Hunter, Steelers are 17 for 55. That's 30.9% on third Not end. good. That's not, not good, good guys. Not good at all. Uh, but moving to the defensive side, we had uh, uh, TJ Watt continue his sack streak. 
uh, for this week. Of course, he and uh, I think Tuit ended up getting uh, credited with the other sack. Uh, three TFLs for TJ. I mean, he's still a, an absolute monster uh, coming at this, playing defense, at least trying to, to create an impact for our team. And his numbers in, are even continuing to go on top of that. He's now the uh, first Steelers player with 13-plus sacks in three straight seasons since 82 when they started mm-hmm. tracking sacks. Uh, he now has 47 and a half sacks since entering the NFL, which is the most among linebackers in that span. And 22 TFLs that he had now for Monday night is the most by any defender since Aaron Donald had 25 in 2018. And there's still two games to play. So this is, he's getting into like elite levels because he's, he's now there with Aaron Donald who, who did it twice with over 22 TFLs in a season, Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, and JJ's brother. So, I mean, pretty good players there. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think at this point, man, I think it's honestly safe to, you said he's getting to elite levels. I think we can kind of throw out that phrase and just say he's at an elite level. He's established that there's no getting there anymore for him. In my opinion, he's, he's there. It's crazy to watch him play, man. And, And I didn't hear him talk about this or know if he was even available, if he had comment after the game, but when Derek Watt got knocked out on that first punt with the, block in the yeah. back I mean just out cold terrible yeah the kind of stuff you hate to see I can't imagine how that affected TJ's game and I would have loved to hear him talk about that difficult as that would have been for him to yeah. talk about like yeah. the the strain of watching your brother that it just had to as a as a human being it had to be in the back of his mind like how's Derek doing and I'm sure he was getting updates on the sideline when they would go yeah. to the sidelines and everything but when you see a guy get knocked out like that and clearly concussed like that, man, that's just – that's the kind of stuff that as physical of a game as football is, that's the kind of stuff that you hope you never have to see. And honestly, he's lucky that it, it wasn't even worse. We don't necessarily know the extent of it, but just seeing him get up and walk out on his own was great, you know. So – Well, for me too, if I was thinking of it like my little brother and in that situation, if, that, if I saw that happen, the first thing that's going into my mind is – you know, he just had another child. Like that's his, his baby's at home. It's like, I gotta make sure he's, he's fine. And like, I want to run right over to him. I'm surprised like TJ didn't immediately run over to Derek to, uh, I don't know if he was just getting ready for defense or they didn't know what was going on at the time, but it was just like, that was just such a, a crazy thing to happen that first it has to go to family immediately when you've got a brother on the team, just had a new ba- baby um holiday is coming up I mean your your thoughts have to come out of football but he was still able to refocus and still have a really good game yeah yeah and obviously I I don't want you to rewatch it but if you do (laughs) TJ does run out actually oh he does yeah he does clear people away from he gets other Steelers like back up give him space like he comes sprinting off the sideline to clear space and make sure Derek's okay so it yeah. was, it's one of those things, man. That's hard to that's, watch. That's, that's him as a brother running on the field as opposed to him exactly. as a first stealer running on the field. Oh, yeah. There was no, there was no thought about the game at that point for him. That was literally him checking on his brother. It was a pretty, yeah. pretty powerful moment, man. Oh, cool. I will rewatch it. I saw it once because usually I do do my rewatches before the podcast, but we're on a short timing on, for this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, maybe, maybe just don't watch it. Take my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you. I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, now the Steelers have a <laughs> super interesting stat that I, I've got to, you know, give Alex Kazor a little bit of props for finding this one. And it is, there has been f- nine times since 2013, the Steelers have held their opponent under 90 yards passing. They now have a losing record in those games. They are four and five in those nine games where they held their opponent to under 90 yards passing. 
is one so of the most bizarre an, stats ever. It is, and I, I, you know, that's why I got to give Alex credit on that one because it is such an incredibly bizarre stat that had to be shared with Steeler Nation here. And the Steelers also scored over 26 points in their first 10 games, now been held under 20 for their last four. So these are just some really just mind-boggling trends that are going on now. And, and I was hoping, too, that the defense would be able to pick up the scoring, being a great scoring defense, and at least holding these teams down. But Steelers, all they have to do is score 24 points. They're winning games. Yeah. I mean, I, they're at least right in these games. If they were right at their average scoring 26, 28, they're winning them. That's the most frustrating part, man. It's like the inverse of those, you know, 2015, 16, 17 teams that were offensive juggernauts with the killer bees, but didn't have a defense. Now the script is just flipping. The defense is plenty dominant enough to where you want to be to be a Super Bowl winning team, but the offense isn't holding up its its end of the bargain. And like it was earlier this season, to be clear, when things were fine, you know, earlier they legitimately look like a Super Bowl team. And I think that's what's so confusing to me and to a lot of Steelers fans at this point is that nothing dramatic has, you know, Ben's not out. These key players, there's not multiple injuries on offense. Nothing should have changed this dramatically. I understand little things here and there can maybe dip off and change, but to completely fall off a cliff like this is unprecedented in my time watching the Steelers. Like I've never seen a team look good, at times, they looked average. You know, you look at the Cowboys game, that wasn't their best performance. They had other performances in between. The first half against the Texans was very rough. Yeah. There were times where you were like, eh, it's not, it's not all there. But then other times where it was like the first half of the Titans, the entire Browns game, like who was going to stop these guys ever? Like it was just a well-oiled machine. So I don't understand how they go from showing those glimpses to having like literally zero glimpses of anything. It's just a total implosion. And it definitely – it definitely starts with Ben. Last yeah. night against the Bengals, as much as we could say in past past episodes on this show after game, Randy Fickner's play calls were problematic, same plays over and over, predictable. Early on, I felt like he was calling great plays. I actually yeah. loved the game script. Yeah. And Ben was just missing, like, Wide every open throw. guys. Yeah. Every throw. Nothing, nothing was within catchable range there for a couple of these early passes. Yeah. Uh, he seemed to, you know – settle it down there in the second half and had some really good throws in the second half. But unfortunately, that, that first half just put him behind the eight ball. And I, you know, I parroted your Twitter cause I saw you, <laughs> you at least get venting on Twitter last night. And I was saying the same thing. It's like, it's, it's time to bring in another quarterback. And that's the way I felt oh. in the first half. And Dude. it's, it's insane to say when you have Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback, but he even admitted that he's not a hundred percent. So now we're at the point where, like, a not 100% Ben Roethlisberger doesn't help us win games. No. No, I mean, clearly doesn't. The, the proof is right there in the last four games, like you said. The, the, even the game they won, they don't win if that Ravens team is healthy and wasn't decimated by COVID. So yeah. that wasn't the performance that you're looking for either. So no. it's terrible, man. And, yeah, I did. I definitely wanted to see Mason. If you want, if you want to say, you know, Mike Tomlin is a leader, if you want to bench Deontay Johnson because he can't catch a football, totally yeah. fair I have zero problems with that yeah. then you also need to be willing to bench Ben if he can't throw a football and yeah. he wasn't able to throw a football in the first I don't know how else to put yeah. it dude yeah. was missing passes that and you know again from talking to me enough you know I'm not a Mason Rudolph guy I don't yeah. think Mason Rudolph is the answer at all <laughs> if I'm calling for Mason Rudolph <laughs> something has gone terribly wrong the, the Steelers offense needs a Christmas miracle who better to lead our sleigh then Mason Rudolph, the red nose oh, reindeer. It's his destiny. Really strong touchdown arm. 
No, God. And the yins are solid. <laughs> nice. Nice. That is his destiny. You know, Rudolph was Myron made. Cope. I know Myron Cope would have done a song like that, man. Absolutely. He's the guy. So, uh, going in the game then, who gets your game ball on offense? We hinted at it plenty. You know, it's got to be Benny Snell as being one of the only positive contributors on offense. So, I'll leave you the other guy that I think we could make a case for. I'm going wild card on this one. Whoa. I, I'm going with our punter. I'm going with <laughs> – What? What? Okay. I like it. 52.2 like yards per punt, six punts. He did the best that he could to try to flip fields and put us in positions to win these games, you know, more so than I thought our offense did at times. That's but, fair. Uh, That's he fair. At least helping out our defense as much as he could. And for him, that was his – second highest punting average for a game over five kicks okay so, you know, i like it man i don't hate the i don't hate that pick at all so <laughs> I'll, I'll just say the other guy that i thought you were going to take for sure just for our listeners was going to be deontay johnson yeah as uh, much as mentioned to him too for yeah. sure for as much as we that. talk about his struggles and his drops man he was yeah. making clean catches looked like the old deontay it seems like whatever mental hurdles he needed to clear up potentially are cleared up so yeah. If you want to take one small positive away from that game, you can you can rest on that one. So the good thing was the Steelers really didn't have any drops last game. The problem was Ben couldn't get the ball to them. So because <laughs> yeah. yeah. so I remember that first one across the middle when like DJ stuck up his hand like behind him to try to get to yeah, the yeah. ball and just like touched part of his hand. And mm-hmm. then the announcers are like, "Hey, hey, okay, guys, like, calm down now. That's not a drop." And right. like, and they, they even know. I mean, the yeah. announcers even knew that you know, Deontay Johnson has a problem with drops. It's going to come up. It's going to be an issue. Um, I think, I think of the meme of the dude like tapping his head, like you get like, you know, can't, can't, I'll think it's like, they can't, Ben Roethlisberger's like that right now. Like they can't drop the ball if I don't put it near him. (laughs) (laughs) Good call. Good call. And and I I at least have to make note, like this is something that I really loved because I'm a huge fan of this and I grew up with them. The Muppet football night last night, I at least just to, <laughs> to touch base on that. I was at least entertained tremendously like by that. I'm glad that they had it on there for something to entertain Steeler fans other than the actual football game. Um, but <laughs> I don't know your feelings on that. Steeler Nation, if you guys want to chime in. What, what, what were your feelings on that and seeing the Muppets there during the game? As much as I do look like Beaker, you know, I'm not a huge <laughs> – I guess if I frown, <laughs> but uh, as much as I do hair, look the, like Beaker, it is the red hair. I'm not a, not a huge Muppet guy, but I will say that that was appropriately goofy for how terrible that game was. It was like, the, it was the perfect backdrop for that game. No doubt. Like this is the bizarre chaos that we deserve. Yeah. Is, is that episode of the Muppets? We're out there looking like Muppets on the field, throwing the ball True. on the ground, throwing interceptions. True. So it was just kind of a zany, wacky game for Steelers. It was terrible. It was just terrible, man. (laughs) So uh, let's at least get out of this game. Unfortunately, we did have the two injuries. We talked about Derek Watts' concussion. He's in concussion protocol. We have to wait for him to practice. Obviously, it takes two clean, full practices to clear protocol. So he'll be on that. And Eric Ebron also went off the field with that back injury. Looked like he got hit early. Yeah, um, there's a that couple times in the game we got I thought we got hit early I thought Claypool got hit early on that third and 10 there at the end of the game mm-hmm. early and his arm hooked so he couldn't even go up for the ball um, but Eric Ebron too we'll just have to figure out about his back obviously Connor getting downgraded with his quad we'll have to watch him this week Kevin Dotson being the only other one missing with an injury with his shoulder hopefully 
he can practice this week because I'd, I'd rather have him than Hausner in that left guard spot. Uh, and then the only other person is Vince Williams. He was able to return as early as Saturday from COVID, um, from the COVID list being 10 days. Obviously, he's still symptomatic or positive, so he has to clear that. And I'm optimistic that he will clear it this week in time for the Indianapolis game. Yep. All, all, you know, never good to hear injuries, but overall, nothing too crazy. It does sound like Dotson will be coming back this week, or at least beginning to work his way back. You know, there's a chance that he'll play this week, according to Tomlin today. So that that's yeah. always good to hear. That's always awesome. That that was kind of the big one to me that I feel like they need to get back. Um, I had a mini heart attack when Marcus Allen went down during the game. Oh, but yeah. Apparently that was just a stinger or something. He seems totally fine now. He returned even in that game to finish the game. So he's okay, thankfully. But watching the inside linebackers just drop like flies is, is getting a little old. <laughs> I know. We can't take many more injuries there, honestly. No doubt. The wait <laughs> is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world for more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Now we have the matchup this weekend, 1 o'clock. Finally, a 1 o'clock Sunday game. Hopefully back to normality and the way that the Steelers play. 1 o'clock's on Sundays. It's been great this season. Hopefully they continue. But the interesting storyline for me, Hunter, is that Ben is going back up against the best statistical quarterback of his draft in Rivers. That's funny. I mean, they, they all flip-flopped for a long time. All throughout their careers, I feel like Eli Rivers and Ben were just constantly passing and, you know, yeah. leaping each other in various categories. <laughs> so it's always cool when they get to play each other. And last week, I didn't know who was going to be the Bengals quarterback. I said Ryan Finley, and it turned out I was right, but it was supposed yeah. to be Brandon Allen. 
So that that was just me looking at my crystal ball. This week, though, Stryker, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's Rivers. <laughs> you know, yes. I can I can feel pretty confident <laughs> about the Colts quarterback being Philip Rivers in this game. And dude, the bad news for the Steelers is that this Colts team is very well rounded, and I mean that on offense and defense, passing and running. They don't have any just gaping hole, and yeah. that alarms me a little bit because this is a very solid team for a, for a Steelers team that needs to get back on track. These Colts are definitely no pushover anywhere. Their offensive line's elite. They have a really good – Jonathan Taylor is a rookie running back, has been very good. And I like Hines behind him as well as a change of pace, kind of third down back. He's very good in that role. The receivers, you've always got T.Y. Hilton. We know what he does. But Michael Pittman Jr. looks very good as a rookie. Zach Pascal looks good. He's coming around. So, ah, it's, it's not going to be an easy game. We know how Rivers is. And thankfully, the Steelers tend to do pretty well against Rivers. I feel like beat him last year um, – in Los Angeles. So that was good. Um, Colts are not bad, man. I like the Colts. I like what they have as a team, but perhaps worse of all for the Steelers is that the Colts are battling for the division. They're tied with the Titans at yeah. 10 and four. Yeah. They have everything to play for right now. They're and not they're playing well right now and they're playing well right now. So you've got a team that's hungry. That's trying to win the division. That is finding some positive momentum. If, if the Steelers couldn't beat the Bengals, if that same Steelers team shows up against the Colts, it's going to be an absolute blowout. So th- it's yeah. time to figure stuff out this week or else it's going to just get uglier. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And just looking at the stats here quick with Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers has 63,000 yards currently mm. and 5,200 passing yards. Also up on, uh, on Ben with 419 touchdowns to 207 interceptions, whereas Ben has 393 touchdowns to 201 interceptions. So that's why I said the best statistical quarterback, because like I said, he's good between the seasons, but in the postseason he ends up having a, a much tougher time winning, whereas Ben tends to get his team to Super Bowls. That is a, that's a really interesting case study kind of deal to me of, of the power and influence of statistics and why you can't just look at statistics because Rivers is the best statistically, like you said, if you're just looking at a piece of paper. But I feel like if anybody ranked Ben, Eli, and Rivers, Rivers would be third easily yeah. for pretty much anybody ranking those three quarterbacks. And that's to me, you, it's a no-brainer. You even have to talk about it for, like, for Hall of Fame. I, I think you put in Eli and Ben before you put in Rivers. Absolutely. And that has a lot to do with – um, just specifically, not only success in getting to the Super Bowl, but just the luster of winning Super Bowls puts you in a higher caliber in the minds of not just your own fan base, but all of the fan base, because then everyone knows who you are. Ben has two two Super Bowl wins with three appearances. Eli's got two huge Super Bowl wins against a juggernaut <laughs> Patriots team both times. And th- that just creates the mystique of your career to put that cherry on top to get you in the hall of fame. Whereas, you know, Rivers has had nothing but, but terrible performances. I mean, yeah. cause it's his teams were stacked. Man, I mean, when, great teams. When, when they got no rid doubt. of, of um, breeze and breeze went to new Orleans and he got the, he was in charge of that ship. That was the most talented roster in the NFL. And I, I believe they missed the playoffs one year because they had the number one offense. They had the number one defense in the league, missed the playoffs. Completely. That's incredible. Because they had the worst turnover ratio in football. Now do it. Last in turnover ratio. And that's, that's what team turnovers do to you. They, yep. they, they, they happen that last game. It, it makes a, a worse team, a team that are going to get 90, less 89 yards passing. Uh, I think 73 when you figure in the sacks. But 
that's how they win games. That it's yeah. turnovers. At at a minimum, I feel pretty confident saying Philip Rivers is better than Ryan Finley. And, uh, yeah. Yes. And the, yeah. the, the Colts' weapons are also better. I, the Bengals have some weapons on offense. Their O line is terrible. That's what yeah. holds them back. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the Colts' O line is not terrible. You know, Quentin Nelson, obviously one of the best in the league. So they're going to have. It's going to be a tough game, guys. Like this is not a layup. It's not one that right now I can even favor the Steelers in. I feel like almost every week this week I'm like, yeah, Steelers are going to win. I yeah. genuinely don't think they're going to win this one. I, I mean, they got to prove me wrong, dude. At this point, they. Think of it this way. I just thought of this today, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit. Four straight games playing like an absolute trash, in my opinion. Just yeah. terrible play. Last four games. That's a quarter of a season. Yeah. Four out of – like, they've been playing it, – it's not like a flash in the pan anymore. No. Like, it's a it's a trend that you can say yeah. is legit. So, until they prove me wrong and get back to playing well, I can't pick them. Can't do and it. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Vegas can't pick them either, man. No, Vegas doesn't shouldn't. even know how to. How, what do they have? Steelers at like plus fourteen or minus fourteen this last game against the Bengals? Is it minus twelve and a half or twelve? I, I know it was fluctuating between there, depending on where you went. But yeah, these guys, it's their job to make sure they keep this point spread as close as possible to make money on right on just breaking even for the most part on all the Crazy, all the man. on just doing the transactions, but. But my gosh, that that was a spread where I was just like, I don't even think the Steelers are going to cover that. Yeah, uh, and unreal. Of course, you know, unfortunately, they they were on the opposite side of that. They ended up losing by ten as opposed to supposed to be winning by twelve. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not the only one there. It's a, the entire <laughs> Las Vegas is there, and they're they're probably going to be flipping this thing in a major way toward Indianapolis. I assume this week to try to gain some of that that uh, that Steeler opponent money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. But they probably made a lot of money on Steeler fans this past week. I'll tell you that. Um, so going off into the, I guess the, the last thing I guess that I can really even think about for the game then is, um, yeah. It, to me, the only thing of if the Steelers aren't going to, well, they're going to make the playoffs no matter what. But if they aren't going to advance in the playoffs, I just want to see T.J. Watt do as well as he can, just to show that he he's an impactful player every game he plays in, even without Bud Dupree, and really try to get this defensive player of the year locked down for him. I mean, I think he needs one more big play. If he can turn a turnover into an interception or a, a touchdown, then that might put the cherry on the top and lock him into it. But right now I know that the player in um, what is it? The, the Dolphins uh, secondary guy that's making all the interceptions got like nine interceptions or something. They're, they're all, Howard. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah. He, he's, I think he has a, a turnover in the last six games they announced yesterday. Cause I was watching that game. That's absurd. Uh, on Sunday. A corner. It, it is. It, <laughs> so that's, that seems to me like to be the, who the league seems to love right now because he's hottest at the end of the season. But my point with TJ Watt is he's made an impactful play in every single game. Sure. I mean, I'm sure there's games where you get those secondary guys where they, they don't make an impactful play where they have yeah. one PD. And, you know, he's getting two, three TFLs when he's having a bad game. He's, yeah. he's getting three PDs that one game when he, he couldn't get to the quarterback. He knocked yeah. down three passes. True. So he finds different ways to make himself impactful in games, even if he's not getting to the quarterback. He's still getting those tackles for losses in the backfield, breaking those tackles and getting those, uh, those running backs down on the ground. You make a great point there, and, and I think that's kind of it. We saw TJ lose – the award last year to yeah. Stefan Gilmore, you know, another impactful corner that got a lot of picks and made a lot of plays. They love that. They love flash. It's super hard to do. Yeah. And, and yeah. to be fair to a corner, you know, they can influence a game by simply not being targeted. And yes. then there's nothing they can do. TJ, 
you can't avoid TJ Watt. You know, he's going to be stuffing – like you said, he's going to be getting TFLs. He's going to be getting – he's going to be doing something. You can't just avoid him the way that you can avoid a shutdown corner. So I kind of understand it. And I think what he needs, which is exactly what you said, is just more splash. You know, last year when he was getting strip sacks, forcing a lot of fumbles, he needs to get back to that. It's been a while since we've really – seen that side of him we still seen him be absolutely disruptive and amazing and everything we know tj watt can be but it's time for time for the turnovers to come back i think and i'm surprised they're not moving him around more with bud dupree going out i thought they would have swapped sides at times with uh mm-hmm. high smith and and watt just to have him come from the blind side just to create mismatches um to see how it works within the game i, I mean butler's obviously you know feels like he's doing fine he's impactful enough there but it, that just creates another problem for other op- other opposing offenses to have to deal with. If, if if Watt's not where he's supposed to be and you already had like the chip play going with your tight end on that side and he lines up right. weak side where the tight end isn't there and right. you ha- now you have him chip block and Hyatt Smith and he's coming in on a one-on-one on a right tackle, then their yeah. left tackle, then, you know, it, it creates different little nuances to the game. And that's what I want to see. That's, you know, that's to me. That's how you play the chess aspect of the game. I like it. I like it. And while you mentioned Highsmith, man, I just want to do a little quick shout out to him. In that, I felt he looked very good early. He very, did. very good. Super fast off the ball. Crazy yep. first step, which is what we heard about from him all along. So yeah, I saw some good things from him. I saw him miss some assignments as well, which Tomlin addressed in his, you know, post game wrap or interview press conference today. So yep. that's that's a rookie for you. But Tomlin is very impressed with his development early on. And I think honestly, it's kind of safe for me to say that Highsmith looks better as a rookie than Bud Dupree did to me. I've seen enough impact and like potential and flash already that I feel like he's farther along than Bud was earlier. So that gives me a lot of, a lot of hope moving forward that maybe he could be a, a guy that they could really lean on the next impactful edge rusher from the Steelers. And now we're at the time of our podcast where we take questions from Steeler Nation. The best. We take most of our questions here from SteelerNation.com forum. Excellent place. It's free. Go on, log on there, create a free account, and you get to ask the first questions of the podcast. Twitter, if you got any questions, go ahead and put them up. We're going to be talking about them too. Facebook, is there anything pertinent we need to jump to right now, or you want me to go into the uh, Steeler Nation? We got some. Let the forum kick it off. But, yeah, we got some on Facebook. Great. Hoot starts us off. He says – uh, thanks for all the cast this year, guys. It's been fun. Have a safe and joyous holiday season. So thank you very much for that. Thanks, uh, what is Hunter and Cope's favorite holiday tradition? I go by Cope online striker, yeah. obviously. So what is, what are our, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Hunter? Oh, man, I got to, I got to, I got to stew on this one for a second because obviously the huge thing with any holiday is simply seeing your family and hanging out and, Unfortunately, it won't be happening this year, but usually my family has a huge Christmas Eve get together where it's all extended family, aunts and uncles and everything may or may not be a significant amount of alcohol consumed at this homestead family. I'm not (laughs) saying I plead the fifth on that, but needless to say, that's always an amazing time. It it always devolves into like a rap battle or (laughs) board games or something just absurd and ridiculous. It's the best, man. It's just the feeling of being around your family and just enjoying that time together is really unlike anything else for me. I'm blessed to have an, an incredible family an extended family. So anytime I can get together with them and just have a good time, that, that for me is the holiday tradition. Nice. Yeah. We've got to do it differently this year. I've got a piecemeal family. Anyway, I come from a divorced family, so I'm having my mom's family over. Well, just my mom and her, her current husband and my, my brother and her, her 
his wife over for New Year's Eve. And we're just doing a small, this is the seven of us here at the house on New Year's Eve. And then my dad and uh, stepmom are coming down from upstate PA for uh, a couple of days after Christmas on Sunday to watch the, the game with us. So we're going to watch nice. the Steeler game together on Sunday. So that'll be awesome. a lot of fun. That's, uh, great. that's why I, and he's got to travel to all the relatives. So he wanted to plan to make sure he was at my house on <laughs> Sunday night so we could drink and talk right. to Steelers and cheer and yell at the screen and drink some beers. There we go. I that's always it. a good tradition. But being a father too now, like I love watching my daughter open gifts. And that's ah. at least something that's not taken from me this year. I'm going to love that. I'm going to love to see how the dog's going to react to Christmas. It's going to be dog's first Christmas. We have a, like a baby gate around the tree and the gifts just to keep the dog away from the gifts right now. But as soon as like, as soon as it comes out, I know it's going to just be a madhouse. Right. <laughs> All the gifts come out, the wrapping paper, paper everywhere. Yeah. The dog's just not going to, I mean, it's, it's an excitable dog as it is. Yeah. Excitable hunt, you know, there's hunting, the bird dogs are, are an excitable breed, but she's sure. going to absolutely uh, be just beside herself watching Christmas happen this year. That's awesome, man. I love it. And then Hoot follows up. He's he asks, "Will we win another game this season?" So who is our draft pick? <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's kind of you know I I'm always an optimist. I'll at least start up and saying, um, "Yes, I think the Steelers will win another game this year." I'm hoping it's in the playoffs, and I hope that they and I'm even fine if they carry this losing streak into the playoffs, and then they tend to go and then they flip it and they go on a winning streak then to finish the playoffs. I am 100% fine with that. That that would be my ideal way what do you see hunter dude if they go 11 and 5 and win the super bowl nobody is going to care about the five game losing streak <laughs> to end the season zero percent chance anybody cares i will i will agree with you to an extent and mm -hmm. say if they win one playoff game they're going to the super bowl because yeah. they're not winning one playing the way they're playing so yeah. if if they win one that means they figured it something out change they got back to the you know they're good they're better ways so if they win that one, I feel good about them literally just going all the way. Nice. But, dude, I don't think they're going to win one. <laughs> and for me, as far as a draft pick, I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not studied up on my picks this year. I'm not going to state, like, who I think the number one pick is, but I think that it should go to an offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. I think Steelers need to rebuild this offensive line. We started doing – I thought Dotson was an excellent pick in the fourth round. Drafting this late – you're probably going to have to look center or guard uh, in the first round uh, because all the number one tackles are going to be taken too early. I mean, if somebody slips, then great. You take the tackle, obviously, but probably going to be a guard or a center. And if there's a stud center that's there right around the 20s, unless we go to 32, then, you know, we got to go guard if we're drafting 32. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I agree with you completely. I think the pick should be offensive line. I know a lot of people are going to say running back, and I, I already said that earlier. I didn't think that was the pick last year. I don't think that's the pick this yeah. year. Yeah. I don't like taking a running back that early. I love an offensive lineman as kind of a wild card pick, and I'm not a Penn State fan. I'm blanking on the dude's name, but their tight end is an absolute machine. And I, oh, and nice. If he's there, I wouldn't mind seeing them pick up that Penn State tight end. That would, be a, that would be a pick I wouldn't be upset. That's a great call because, you know, I think Vance is a free agent next year. He carries a big salary as well as Ebron, but Ebron signed for two years. So that might be – Steelers have to pick up a playmaking tight end as well. That could be a real – that's a really good call. That would sure. be necessary. So Slash Steel then asks – what is your favorite Kevin Green memory? I know you shared that awesome memory of you as a child. I think yeah. that's an amazing memory. Do you have any other things uh, around Kevin Green that you remember? 
that that's really the one man that's the one that stands out and was just awesome uh for me like i said i i was four years old at that time so obviously the memories are a little different i didn't get to see kevin green in his prime or anything like that i will i will share that the great local photographer ed thompson posted a uh, picture of kevin green as his wife was singing the national anthem at heinz field last year yeah. And Kevin Green, like just in his eyes, you could tell he was fighting tears so hard watching his wife sing oh. the national. Just just so proud. Like it was just a really cool series of photos of Kevin Green oh. watching his wife sing the anthem. So that was really touching stuff to see, especially in a moment like that. So for me, I'll, I'll go with that. You know, that's not my memory, obviously, but that's something that I've since seen of Kevin Green that really that really hit home with me. That's great. And And for me, it's I loved seeing he and Lloyd meet at the quarterback. Uh, I know, I, I think they did it in the uh, Indianapolis game in the playoffs um, where they just came and sandwiched the court. Just when they sandwich a guy, as it, that was my all-time favorite thing to say. But the other aspect of of Kevin Green, which is strictly Pittsburgh and why he has so much love for us, is before he came for Pitt, from to Pittsburgh, I mean, he was a, a crew-cut guy. He had tight, like really tight haircut. And he got to Pittsburgh and he says he's not going to cut his hair until he makes it to a Super Bowl. Nice. And he stayed with the Steelers and got to that Super Bowl in the 95. I think he still kept his hair then after that because it just became such an iconic thing. And with his wrestling brand. career as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, WCW, I'm not sure, you, know, you being a, a, a mixed martial art guy, I mean, that was, we only had boxing back then. We didn't have mixed yeah, martial right. arts. We had professional wrestling and it was, you know, WWF at the time or, or uh, NWA, I think, or no, yeah. no. WCW. WCW, yes. <laughs> yeah. WCW, NWA is a rap group. And, <laughs> and uh, but, but those were like our things to watch that weren't boxing, which were guys fighting. And it was, but now it's like, of course, like MMA is like the thing for me. And it's not, it's kind of like wrestling has lost its luster now because mm-hmm. there is an actual way to watch people really go at it that and if, even if they hate each other like but that's the, the crazy thing is and, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here but since you're, you're doing your MMA podcasts and I, I just want to get your take on this it's we don't have those rivalries in MMA like we do in boxing setting up the rivalries and of course like they're completely fabricated but they're so fun in, in professional wrestling for for WWE right now but it seems like everybody is so respectful of each other's process and their games and their families in in the uh, in, in mixed martial arts and UFC specifically that we don't really get those hated rivalries but mm-hmm. I'm sure there are a couple guys that really do hate each other and yeah. whether or not they say it outwardly I mean do you know what's probably the most hated rivalry right now in UFC so it's kind of like a layered question because because it, it's funny like you say there is a lot of respect in MMA which I think yeah. if people don't watch the sport that may actually surprise them I would say like these yeah. guys are actually super respectful yeah. and they, they appreciate the martial arts side of it but like John Jones and Daniel Cormier was one of the best rivalries in MMA history and those dudes hated each other and were not shy they were not shy about the fact that they hated each other and it was very much like the throwback kind of boxing rivalry where it was obvious where you're watching the press conference and thinking all right who's going to just punch who's going to just sucker punch who first in this press conference because <laughs> you guys genuinely hate each other and the crazy thing about that rivalry was that after the fights were over 
they weren't kissing and making up. Like they no. weren't saying, Hey, it's all good. We fought. It's in the pat. They still don't no. like each other. Like that, that was genuine <laughs> dislike. And the other guy, obviously that you can look at is Conor McGregor Yeah. and anybody he fights, he turns it into a rivalry. And I, yeah. that, that is part height, part motivation for himself. Yeah. But if, if you're looking for that, like bad blood feel pretty much any fight he gets into, he turns it into that. So he has a fight against Dustin Poirier coming up and has oh. actually been pretty respectful thus far. He already beat Dustin once, so that's, okay. that's the interesting aspect of this one. But they've been pretty respectful, surprisingly. So that, that's crazy to see Connor maturing in his old age. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Matt Insomniac asks, anyone know what our offense has done on the first two drives and games this year versus the rest of the league? I uh, feel like the first quarter offense has been horrible, and are we mm-hmm. bad at this? And – <laughs> they are bad at it. I don't I don't even know the stats, but I can answer that they are bad at it. They are. They're actually <laughs> they're actually getting depressingly bad at it. I'm not going to I'm going to share an article right here on steelernation.com um written by let's see who did it's got the, Oh, uh Parker Parker Abate and uh he did a fantastic job of just breaking down the stats of what's going on with this offense since 2018, 46 games. Just the first drive, the majority of those, those drives ended in punts, 59%. Oh, nearly no. 60%. Nearly a D grade punts. Yeah. Half yeah. of those punts were three and outs. Half of them. So you're like at a, a, a 30, 30% for three and outs. Uh, eight, were t- eight, eight turnovers, so that's 17% were turnovers. 13% were field goals with six field goals. And the smallest number, 10% being five touchdowns. So, nice. yes, Steelers have not just been looking bad this first this, – this year, it's been back since 2018. It has been depressingly bad. And it's, you know, it's why when we got out in the second half and we scored right away, I'm like, wow, this is a switch. It's like I like seeing that opening drive go down and score a touchdown and get points on the board because that really sets the tone. But the Steelers have been having to try to figure out a way to score, game, score and win football games without even setting the tone with these first couple drives it's funny you say since 2018 because you know who took over as offensive coordinator in 2018 (laughs) (laughs) yes this article is heavily slanted toward randy feekner (laughs) yeah shocking really shockingly yes (laughs) but that's you know that's the way it is i mean we got to take our lumps with it he's he is kind of associated with that and he even made a point within the parker made a point within his article that he stated that Randy scripts his plays, his opening plays, and you've got to mm-hmm. put that into context with how badly they're performing on these opening plays because he's scripting them. Right. So, you know, whereas it, it worked really well in that one game against the, uh, the, the New England Patriots in 2018, and we did really well against Tennessee this year. I think we scored like the first 17 points in that game. Scored twice on the first drive in that one. First yeah. one got called back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like those outside of those two aberrations yeah it's 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 really a horrible uh yeah showing so yeah terrible so he um mad insomniac also asks uh, he's interested to know if the root tree angle of our off is of the offense is the decline without knowing them it's impossible to know for certain but do you think our scheme is too predictable and that's why our roots are being blanketed these last five weeks or is it just lazy roots i don't see lazy roots being run at all um, it just seems like we're just crossing everything right here within five yards. Yeah, and I'm with you on that, 100%. On all their defenders within five yards. and that's, It's obvious, yeah. yeah. It's obvious that the defenders are just sitting on those routes and breaking immediately because they know 
this bite on the quick route because that's what's coming. That's also why you see a lot of defensive linemen getting their hands up in the air, which we've talked about a lot, because they know the ball is coming out of Ben's hand so fast, they're not going to get to him. So get your hand up and just deflect it. So we're seeing that more. We're seeing them break on routes a lot more. We saw a couple of pass breakups against the Bengals that were that way. And obviously the huge hit of Von Bell and Juju was the same way. He, he took off for yeah. Juju because yep. he knew like that's what's coming. Yep. And Matt also asked also at this point. And hey, by the way, hilarious aside that that has been oh, my bad. I'm, I'm laggy. Go for it. <laughs> no, go, please tell me your hilarious aside. Okay. It's it's actually not hilarious at all. Is that even <laughs> if Juju had not got gotten blasted there and fumbled, what was that play call on third down? A, a one yard drag route? Like I just yeah. don't understand. It was nowhere near the first down marker anyway. An atrocious play call that got bailed out in all the talk because of what happened afterwards. But yeah, yeah anyway. And the unfortunate aspect was I, I think Ebron was running a, a flag, like a short flag, like a 12 yard flag out on the left side, completely uncovered. So you know, it's <laughs> that Ben missed it. Ben was reading Juju, stayed on Juju, threw it to Juju, didn't see the guy coming from the other side, and kablow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, right. Mad also wanted to know um, at this point, neither the division nor home field are a big deal, right? Is it time to rest players with any injuries and try to retool the scheme, or do you fight for wins to get full momentum? And we've already pretty much talked about this. And to me, it's I actually got blasted by the uh, the Steeler um, <laughs> writers thread. We text each other back and forth during games, and I'm like, just sit Ben Roethlisberger the last two games, and I got blasted for it. And I'm like, look, guys, it's like I'd rather have a healthy Ben Roethlisberger that can win football games than a guy that's like a 60% or 70% Ben Roethlisberger that just doesn't even look like himself right now. Yeah, man, listen, I'm already more – yeah. Two weeks, two weeks ago, I would have thought you were completely crazy, but right now that seems kind of reasonable to me. And I'll also propose this would never happen. This is me being a Madden manager right now. This would never happen. What I would like to see more than anything is maybe let Ben play the first half and let Mason finish the game. Like just keep Ben, get Ben some reps, keep him out there, get him, you know, keep the rust off and then just let Mason finish out the game. If you're that worried about Ben's health, maybe we can do a hybrid approach. <laughs> True. Is there any questions on Facebook? We got from my guy, Matt Quiggins. Matt! You're, you're going to like this question, Striker. I'm going to let you take it away. <laughs> I've been posting this picture of those popcorn tins. It's not Steelers related at all. Okay. Those popcorn tins that have dividers and it's caramel, yeah. cheese, and plain popcorn. Yes. Rank those flavors best to worst. Mine are easy. Uh, I always, we used to get these tins back growing up and it was always like a holiday Christmas thing. Right. Like you always had the, and I, I know usually when you're a kid, number one's going to be caramel corn. I couldn't stand caramel corn as a kid. Nice. I, I, I hated it. I thought it was too chewy. It would, it would like, like it didn't, didn't have a good texture. Not until I got into uh, kettle corn. Kettle corn is the only time I ever got to the point where I started enjoying like sweetness in a popcorn. Sure. But they also like balance it well with the salty. So for me, my number one was always the cheddar. Yes. Thank you. Cheddar was number one. I've always been a savory guy over sweet. The cheddar was great because it always had that nuanced depth of that cheese flavor to kind of add to the popcorn. The butter was, would be my second favorite. But the problem was some of the butters were too buttery and would kind of give you that oily headache if you had too much of it. Whereas like the ones that are like a lighter butter, like really fluffy butter, like those are great. 
Yeah. But then yeah, always yeah. I, I then had caramel corn as a third. So like anytime you saw me with the bin, there was no orange, there was no yellow, and there was nothing but brown in there. And I put the top back on. I let somebody else eat that. I love it. Well, me and you, we are exactly the same on this one, Striker. So, so Quiggins, you can suck it, Quigs. Quigs was trying to set me up. He was trying to set me up, and it backfired on him. I love it. <laughs> uh, we also got Dallas asking if we think – do do you think we are done with Ben as QB for this season? I feel like he's not throwing the ball good at all. He's definitely not throwing the ball good at all, but I think we just talked about this. They're going to they're gonna ride him out. Stryker obviously believes that they could sit him these last two games, and that would be fine. Just let him get healthy for the yeah. playoffs. But the point being, we both believe that come playoff time, it's still Ben's team. That's not changing at all. Yeah. Um, maybe an off-season evaluation. I still feel – confident that at the start of the 2021 season Ben's still a guy so and and I stated at the beginning of the season this Ben this team will go as far as Ben takes it right right we are Ben's team it, it's, yep. change isn't going to happen really right now like though you know I I will end at the point where if his Ben is not 100% and if he has a chance to be 100% if he sits the next two games I sit him it, yep. it's not even a question in my mind I, I play Rudolph I play Dobbs I play them both actually um, have come, maybe come, have Dobbs come in on the field, kind of like they use Taysom Hill down there in New Orleans to kind of just to give teams other things to worry about other than just throwing a like ball. It. You know, it's we've got to get to this point where we start instituting gadget plays and we start making the game a little bit more wide open. I mean, I did love. Here's a nuanced thing that I did notice from last night's game that we haven't done in years, and that is put Ben out on a bootleg. There you Brent, go. Had two of them in the first half, and Ben was no pressure on him all day to throw. And he, he threw two bad balls on those on those bootlegs, unfortunately. But he he, he was wide open, and I I love to see Ben on the edge. That's the old Elway and Ben. Ben loves Elway. It's like I always say, mm-hmm. the pocket get that creates some timing, can create deeper roots, and you can get deeper guys open downfield. So, yep. you know, that's an aspect. So that's one aspect I really did like from last game that I remember. So love it. Kind of along those same lines, we got one from Joseph here. How can an offense with so many weapons week in and week out look like they have no idea where the end zone is? Randy has got to go. I mean, as a long time, if you're any long time listener of the podcast, I definitely agree. Randy's got to go, man. Joseph, we're I'm right with you. And I've said it all year, way too much talent on this offense to look the way they have. Even when they were winning, the offense was not playing up to its potential. And I think that's what's funny is like, Stryker and I would say it every week is like, there's still another level for this team to yeah. reach. There's still another yeah. level for this team to reach. They never put it all together. And at this point, I'm not sure if it is Randy, if it's, if it's Ben's decline, I don't know. But I think we've analyzed enough at this point to know that Randy is not helping at all. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I think we mentioned it last week too. I was hoping for a full week to get a real offensive game plan. And they did put in some wrinkles with those boots. They brought back the jet sweep, which got wrecked by a Claypool come across on the one jet. But I was expecting more pre-snap motion. Mm-hmm. And we, like we did in the beginning of the year. And we really didn't get back to a lot of pre-snap motion in this game. We did a couple, but nothing that was – that to me, that's how you get your playmakers in positions to be open to make plays is you've got to move them. You got to move them you, because if they're lining up and they're beating you one-on-one, 
the way to get around that is moving them around. And the only issue right now is just not having time to get players open currently. So that motion offense would help out. And that's why I was hoping that Tomlin would be like, Hey, Matt Canada, let's you let's utilize what you have to, th- we want to know what you have to think for this game plan and just see uh-huh. if he can put together a game plan for one game that maybe it's better than what Randy's been doing all season long. Right. Right. I mean, it's, at this point, you got to try it because Whereas other teams at this point in the season might have fired their offensive coordinator. It's not what the Steelers do, but the transitional approach to firing the offensive coordinator would be, let's give his duties to this other guy who might be the offensive coordinator next year because Randy is in his last season of his contract. There you go. Yep. So I think we agree there. And that does wrap up the Facebook questions. <laughs> All righty. Well, <laughs> Thank you, Steeler Nation. Thank you so much for the great questions. We don't, didn't get anything on Twitter today, unfortunately. Twitter's been a little quiet, but we love you on Twitter as well. Thanks for joining us on the live feed. Hunter, another, you know, I'm at least in a better mood right now after talking with you <laughs> an hour than I was before we got on the pod, dreading talking about this football team. So one good thing to say is you always make this more fun, man, and I'm, I'm blessed nice. to have you. <laughs> yeah, man, and same to you, dude. I feel like that was therapy to a degree. Like just vent, <laughs> We just vented for an hour about all of, all of our Steelers demons. So tough game against the Colts, like we said, guys, but hopefully we're coming back, breaking the winning streak. If they beat the Colts, you're going to see the whole fan base, you know, flip instantly i think we're gonna feel good again it's gonna feel good they're still in the playoffs there's still a chance they'll be fine there's a chance positive thoughts people (laughs) oh wait whoa whoa real quick striker late question late question oh question it right before the the buzzer right before the buzzer three seconds left on the clock adam schefter reported ben wants to play next year any thoughts um i kind of just addressed that i do think ben will be the opening day starter 2021 for sure. Um, however, if he continues to decline the way he has in recent weeks, I could see him making an executive decision to retire and just hanging but, it up because we don't know exactly how he feels right now. So that's true. That's not off the table, but I think it's either Ben or Ben retire. I don't, Ben's not going to be anybody's backup. Like that's no. not happening. But you know, a healthy big Ben, we were having conversations on whether he should be talked about as an MVP candidate. And we argued right. that on the show. Right. Uh, if he's not 100%, I mean, he's dealing with something right now. He's not the same guy, but that's any anybody toward the end of careers, that's going to happen. But there's no reason for me to believe that Ben won't come back next year 100% healthy, fired up again, and ready to, to, to tear the league a new one like he did for the first 10 games of the season. Exactly. Yep. So. There you go. Yeah, now we're question. done with the question. That was a good question. <laughs> that's why I wanted, I wanted to make sure we got that one in. I like that question. Nice. <laughs> Hey, Steeler Nation, you got to follow our boy, Hunter Homestek, on social media, on Twitter and Instagrams, at Hunter A. Homestek. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. We will be back 2 o'clock next Tuesday again to go over the Indianapolis game, hopefully in better spirits. Definitely with a lot of Christmas cheer. Merry Christmas to you and yours and all Steeler Nation, and I look forward to seeing you again here in a week here, Hunter. Same to you, man, and all the listeners. uh, Enjoy your holidays. Go uh, have have a nice homestack-style family tradition if you can. Crack open some alcohol and have a good time. You might need it with these Steelers. <laughs> I gotta talk some beer. I gotta talk some beer with you here because I got quick. I got some Do great it. stuff. I did. Um, I picked up the uh, Kentucky Bear, uh, Bourbon Stout or Kentucky nice. with KBS. KBS is yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. 
you, you know KBS. I know the one, yeah, the Founders KBS, yeah. Founders Got KBS. You. They have a peppermint porter out right now. Ooh. And two of my styles of beer that I just go insane for that are just rare styles. One is always like when you put like a hot pepper in a beer, I'm all over it. Nice. Love I like that. that. Style of beer. And also mint in a beer. Okay. And I've had some great, great mint beers before. I know Lancaster Brewing does devil's bake sale. That one tastes like a Girl Scout cookie, mint, mint cookie. Nice. And this one, the KBS um, peppermint porter tastes like a peppermint patty. That's it is not a, a bad thing. It is a perfect holiday beer i suggest sticking a uh, candy cane down the bottleneck and nice <laughs> you don't I even think... need to like, like you're getting the menthol off the mint like it's to right. me it's like a fantastic mint beer that's but, crazy uh, that's I'll, my I... holiday beer right now do you have a holiday beer uh not really man honestly but i am on a big imperial stout kick right now whenever the whenever the weather gets cold i turn from the ipas into stout man so <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's just been my kick lately you and I could do an hour on beer. We could do Absolutely. podcasts on beer, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, we, there's really no distinction between Steelers and beer at this point for me. They kind of they're going hand in hand lately. <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up drinking a lot last night, but it's it ended up having to go to Natty Bows because I just want, didn't want to keep drinking good beer, and uh, <laughs> with that yeah, kind of right, right going on. So I just wanted to punish myself. So see you yeah. soon, man. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and your family, man. Same to you and yours, man. Take care, and we'll see you guys next week. Hi, Heidi. Steeler fans, Steeler Nation, visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaways. This one being the Polo Malu jersey. Jump on there, retweet it, win that Polo Malu jersey right here for Christmas time. So good luck to you guys. And check out their shop, www.tseshop.com. Their Twitter, at Total Sports ENT. You two can get great, unique gifts for Steeler Nation. It's time, the last minute, you got to shop. Get a great shirt like this one right here, the Steeler Nation six-pack of Lombardis over at SteelerNation.com on the, on the gear page, on the apparel page. Click and get a great shirt that you can share with your friends and gloat on your six Lombardis and have a good time this holiday season with that. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the web. Subscribe to SteelerNation.com YouTube channel, which is www.youtube.com slash C slash SteelerNation to be the first to see our uploads, video uploads, and our vidcasts. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at underscore SN Podcast and Instagram at SteelerNationPodcast. And follow your, ho your host, SteelerNationStriker, on Twitter and Instagram at SNStriker. Striker spelled with a Y. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!